Good morning. I, uh, I had something happen to me this morning I've never had happen in my life. I, I got in my car and drove to church, and it's so cold, it's so very cold, that when I was getting out of my car to come into the church building, I, I pulled the key out of the ignition, and I was getting stuff off the seat, so I just, like often, I just stuck the key in my mouth, and it fro- the key froze to my tongue. And, uh, and I could just see it now. I, 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 got, I, could, I could hear Pastor Linda going, you'll never believe why Pastor Woody's not preaching this morning. You'll never believe it. Anyway, I'm reading, as I, I'm picking back up on the series on the Holy Spirit. And um, I'm reading from Galatians 5, 13 through 26. There's three sermons left, and this is the first of those three. Starting with verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. What does a Spirit-filled life look like? Well, Paul tells us in this chapter. He says the Spirit-filled life is a fruitful life. You bear fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, of God's life, pours through you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Self-control, gentleness, this is what comes through. But all of them really are descriptions of one basic thing. And that one basic thing is love. And not just love, but agape love. The love that exists in God's heart. And at its heart, agape love is, is, is the God-given, spirit-given capacity to love imperfect people. It is a love that has sought each one of us from the recesses of eternity. While we were yet sinners, Jesus came looking for us. Agape love is not just because of love. And God loves us because of who we are. We are made in his image. We are the only thing in this planet that is made in his image that makes us precious. And we are utterly unique. There is no one like you in the universe. No one else that makes us precious. But it's not just because of love, it's in spite of love. 
The love of God exists independent of circumstances, independent of whether you are good enough today, independent of whether you are perfect. It is unprovoked love. We usually apply that term to anger or violence. You know, it was an unprovoked attack. You know, like there's no logic for how the perpetrator acted. Agape love is similar, and there is no external reason for agape love. It is unprovoked. In fact, it is love beyond reason. It comes from the heart of the one giving it, regardless if the one receiving it deserves it at all. Mark Buchanan writes, Agape seeks those who never saw it coming, never sought it out. It shows up unannounced, unexpected, undeserved. Aren't you glad? It doesn't rely on our beauty. It doesn't ride on our popularity. It doesn't depend on our worthiness. It doesn't hang in due to our good manners. It doesn't back off because of clumsiness or homeliness or churlishness. It pursues us. And even when unrequited, it still pursues us. It finds us in a ditch. And at personal cost and personal risk without reward, it lifts us out of the ditch. It pours oil into our wounds. And it puts us on a horse and it finds us shelter in an inn. That is agape love. This is the love that created the universe. This is the love that created us. God is not just love. God is agape. God loves like this because it is his nature to love like this. And this, this is the love that the Spirit brings to us. This is the love that is supposed to flow through us. Spirit, you know, all of, all of this list that I read about spirit fruit, it is either a byproduct of love or it is a description of agape love. I will start, you know, the, the, it, it, its nature is supernatural. Its source is supernatural. There is nothing about agape love that we can pull off ourselves. The fruit of the Spirit is agape. It is God's love passing through us and into the world, into our relationships, into humanity itself. And after love, then comes joy. Actually, joy is not really love, but joy is a byproduct of love. It's a, why do we feel joy? Because we are being saturated by the love poured into us by the Spirit. Joy comes from being totally known and totally adored. By Jesus Christ. Peace is the next fruit. And again, peace is not love, but it is a byproduct of love. Peace is knowing my life is in the hands of the person who knows me best and loves me most. And because such a person is active in my life, I know everything's going to be all right. It may not be easy. It may not be comfortable. It may be painful. But it's going to be all right, folks, no matter what you're going through, because you are in the hands of love, and it gives you peace. The next is patience. And I combine patience with faithfulness. They're two sides of the same coin. Patience is the willingness to love someone despite themselves sometimes. I got news for you. If you're going to love somebody, there are times it's going to be despite them. Faithfulness is hanging in there, by the way. It's the other side of patience. It's hanging in there with imperfect people. There is no such thing as five-minute agape. There is no such thing as a quota on caring. There may be times 
When a person is so destructive to themselves and you, you have to pull away from everyone's good. But the nature is love is to never give up. God never gives up on you. And then there's kindness. Most of kindness comes in small packages. It is love by the teaspoon and sometimes by the cup. And on a really good day, it's love by the bucket. How does agape love come into the world? Kind words, encouragement, cards, phone calls, hugs, thoughtful gifts, time spent together. That is how most of God's love comes into this world. Kindness is usually not spectacular at all, but it is absolutely necessary for any relationship to survive. It is love expressed in the fabric of the everyday. That is kindness. The next is goodness. It's hard, I have found, to be a jerk and be loving. It's hard to be touchy and rude and ill-tempered and be in the spirit. I know Christians who are moral, but who are not good. They are grouchy, judgmental, unloving, even though they don't smoke, drink, and chew or go with girls that do. They are not good like God is good. Spirit, they are, they're not good like Jesus was good. Spirit-filled people are not obnoxious or hateful. And here's one of the ways you can tell if you're good like God is good. People like to be around you. The sinners love to be around Jesus. Did you re- People thronged around Jesus. If you are some moral prude that goes around and people can't stand to be around you, you're not good like God is good. And then gentleness follows. Gentleness is handling each other with care. It acknowledges that every one of us is fragile in some way. Every one of us is frail in some way. Every one of us has something that if we're not careful is going to trip us up. Gentleness helps. It helps so much. Especially it helps in conflict. When, you know, uh, because gentleness is what gets through people's anger and defensiveness. It gets over walls. As James says, a soft answer turns away wrath. Gentleness disarms people so that we can get through. And finally, there's self-control. A spirit-filled person is not wildly erratic. They are not Dr. Jekyll one minute and Mr. Hyde the next. Spirit-filled people are not moody. They don't live according to surface emotions, but are connected to a deeper source. Self-control in this context means the spirit controls us, not circumstances control us, and not other people control us. The spirit of God controls us. It is a fruit of the spirit. And we who have received this love are called to pass it on. Paul writes in Galatians 5, the only thing that matters, as it says in the message, is faith that expresses itself in love. It's not faith that expresses itself in intellectual brilliance. Not against that. But but that's not what Paul says. It is, or the faith that helps you be so dynamic you end up pastoring a mega church or that expresses itself in perfect Sunday school attendance or and I want you to hear this ultimately 
The highest form of faith doesn't even produce gifts. It produces fruit. Do you hear that? The devil himself can get people to speak in tongues. The devil himself, it says, at the end of the world, when the Antichrist comes, he will perform signs and miracles that even the elect could be deceived by it. The devil can imitate gifts. The devil cannot imitate fruit. Fruit is the highest expression of spirituality, the highest expression of faith, Paul tells us. Faith at its fullest, at its deepest, at its grandest produces agape love. That is not my opinion. That is the teaching of the entire New Testament. Like Paul says in verse 14, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Agape's highest expression comes when we love those. And I want you to hear this because this takes us above mere human love. It comes when we love those it is unnatural for humans to love. You see, natural love is loving people that love us. I don't have a problem loving you if you adore me. Natural love, Jesus taught, is giving to those who give to you. Natural love is for family usually and friends usually, and that's good. But Jesus said there's nothing special about that. He said even the pagans do it regularly. We are called to do more. And there are two categories in the New Testament that the Bible looks at and says, these are the folks that it is unnatural to love, but I love them, and if you're full of my spirit, you'll love them too. One of the groups is this, the group Jesus called the least of these. The poor, the powerless, the oppressed, the addicts, the alcoholics, the mentally ill, those in prison, those the world calls losers or insignificant and ignores. Jesus calls us to seek the child dying of AIDS in Africa. Why? Because he's seeking that child. Jesus calls us and the Spirit motivates us to do something about children starving to death in Mozambique. Jesus and the Spirit call us to minister to the person dying of cancer, to the abused child crying in the middle of the night, praying and wondering if God hears their prayers at all. These are the ones Christ's heart bleeds for, the ones the Spirit aches with. The least of these, when no one else notices, brothers and sisters, the Spirit notices. When no one else cares, Jesus cares. And they are the ones we are to care about. If we are in the Spirit, we will care about them too. And the second highest expression or category where the Spirit's love shines brightest, where we're compelled to love beyond the natural, is the love that loves and forgives enemies. Of all the things ever Jesus ever taught, in North America, by far, this is the most unpopular thing Jesus ever taught. Talk about unnatural. Human instinct is to fight or to flee, not to stay and to love. We in North America do not believe in loving or forgiving our enemies. Almost every adventure in the movies, almost every Western, Almost every Clint Eastwood movie or Arnold Schwarzenegger movie or kung fu movie or sci-fi movie ends with the bad guy dying 
and the viewers feeling emotionally satisfied. I feel it myself. I'm sitting there going, kill them, Arnold, kill them. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, I'm a Christian. Wait a minute. We believe the best way to get rid of evil in the world is to destroy it, kill it, bomb it, and declare war on it. Jesus considered such thinking naive. They that live by the sword will die by the sword, Jesus said. Violence begets more violence. Hate begets more hate. These things create more enemies, not less. We are seeing that in the Middle East over and over. The more we bomb, the more enemies we are getting. We as Christians are called to break the cycle of hate and violence and retribution. We are called to say, the, end, the evil stops here with me. I will not pass it on to another person. A pastor met a woman in Rwanda. Her name was Regine. For those of you who don't remember what happened in Rwanda, it was nothing less than genocide. It was one tribe in Rwanda turning against another tribe in Rwanda. It was one group of Christians turning against another group of Christians in Rwanda. If you don't believe in the devil, take a look at what happened in Rwanda. Not only did they kill millions of people for no particularly good reason, it was the way they did. Often people were not just shot and knifed. They were clubbed to death, stoned to death, stomped to death, macheted to death. It was a horror show. Regine survived this. And one day she told the story to a pastor of what one of her friends went through. Her friend was a woman whose only son was killed. She was consumed with grief and hate and bitterness. I understand that. Wouldn't we all be tempted to do that? God, she prayed, reveal my son's killer. One night she dreamed she was going to heaven. But there was a complication. In order to get to heaven, she had to pass through a certain house. She had to walk down the street, enter the house through the front door, go through its rooms, up the stairs, and exit through the back door to get to heaven. She asked whose house this was that she had to go through to get to heaven. It's the house, the Spirit told her, of your son's killer. The road to heaven passed right through the house of her enemy. Two nights later, there was a knock on her door. She opened it, and there stood a young man. He was about her son's age. Yes, she said. He hemmed and hawed and hesitated, and then he said, I am the one who killed your son. Since that day, I have had no life, no peace, so here I am, I am placing my life in your hands, kill me, I am dead already. Throw me in jail, I'm in prison already, torture me, I have been living in torment since that day. Do with me as you wish. The woman had prayed for this day, and now it had arrived and she didn't know what to do, so she prayed and the Spirit moved. And she found to her own surprise that she did not want to kill him or imprison him or torture him. As God's love moved into her heart in that moment of reckoning, she found she only wanted to do one thing, adopt a new son. I ask this of you, she said, come into my home and live with me. 
eat the food I would have prepared for my own son, wear the clothes I would have made for my own son, become the son you took. And he accepted. This is what God does. He makes sons and daughters out of bitter enemies. He feeds them and clothes them. And he, you know how, God, you know how Jesus got us to heaven? He came into our house and went through hell for us to get us to heaven. That is how it works. Love your enemies, Jesus said. This is supernatural love. There's nothing natural about it. Godly love does not come by natural means. It doesn't come from New Year's resolutions or trying harder or, or more intense Bible study. We have to be connected to the source of agape love. We must walk by the Spirit, Paul tells us, in order to access this love. It means we have to live in the, and float and swim in the river of God's Spirit. It, remind, it, it requires connecting to the love and affection flowing from the heart of the Heavenly Father. We can love like this. You know why? Here's the first step. Because God pour, the Spirit pours Christ's love directly into our hearts. Carl Menninger, in his book, Man Against Himself, quotes from the diary of a devout Catholic priest who was a chaplain on the battlefront in World War I. That was a terrible war, by the way. They did stuff in that war that they have outlawed ever since, like using mustard gas and other stuff. And every, it, was, it was horrible. Millions and millions died the most horrible ways. And every night the priest would return to his bunker and pray. And he said, when I went to that bunker, I feasted on the love of God. He said how he anticipated and dreaded the return to his bunker. Dreaded it, he said, because he knew God would be so loving there. And he felt so inadequate. And he said he felt literally carried away in the arms of love every night in that bunker. And it was the most wonderful, most deliriously happy experience of his life. Have you ever been loved like that by God? You know, people ask me, a woman asked me the other day, she said, you keep talking about revival. When revival comes, what will it be like? It will be a lot like that. Melted by love, saturated with the love of God. In all great revivals, they talk about, like when Wesley talked about being filled with the Spirit, you know what he called that experience? Being filled with perfect love. Jonathan Edwards, in the first great awakening, he talked about sitting by the river for hours, saturated with the love of God, unable to move because the love of God so filled him. I've been melted at times by this love at monasteries on retreats of silence and in the middle of the night and in morning prayers. I've, been, I've had the Spirit jump all over me and just pour His love on, even watching TV shows. And I felt like that priest, saturated with joy, yet feeling totally undeserving, filled in what my heart always longed for, yet overwhelmed by the reality of it all. This is what the Spirit can bring and has brought over and over again. And brothers and sisters, once you have known that love, you will never be the same again. Never! And when this love, you know, it, 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 it changes us, it touches us, 
One of my favorite writers is Brennan Manning. And Manning said that in 1978, during a 30-day silent retreat, it was directed at the Spiritual Center in Wernersville, Pennsylvania. That's where I go for, for retreats, too. And he said, my director, a, a Jesuit priest named Bob Ham, guided me to a passage in the Song of Solomon. In Solomon 7, Song of Solomon chapter 7, verse 10, it says, I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. And he said, over the past 30 years, I have prayed that passage in 747s, in monasteries, caves, restaurants, retreat centers, deserted places. He said, I believe his desire for you and me can be best described as a furious longing. I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. And he said, when you take those words personally, I mean very personally, when you let the Spirit make those words real in your heart, he said, you will not be dependent on the company of others to ease your loneliness, for he is a manual God with us. The praise of others will not send your spirit soaring, nor will their criticism plunge you into the pit. When you are consumed with the love of God in a significant interior development, you will move from I should pray to I want to pray to I must pray, I must be with my lover. You will live with an awareness that the Father not only loves you, but he likes you. You know, for years I went, well, God loves me, but he kind of holds his nose when he gets around me. No, I found out he likes me too. You'll stop comparing yourself with others. In the same way, you will not trumpet your own importance. Why? Because if God is for you, who, who else are you trying to impress? You will not need to boast about your victories or feel superior to anyone when God's love saturates you. You will read Zephaniah 3, 17 and 18 and see God is dancing for joy because of you. You know, we talked about I'm going to dance before the Lord. How about this? God dances because of you. Hallelujah. You bring him joy. Off and on throughout the day, you will just know that you are being seen by Jesus with the gaze of infinite tenderness. And he says, I bear witness to these truths. You see, Jesus did not come to bring peace, but a revolution. He came to redefine God and reality for us. Jesus did not come to tweak our existences and make us a little nicer and help us cuss a little less and control our tempers a little bit longer. He came to invade us with the Holy Spirit and the love of the Father, the stuff that makes heaven heaven. And we will never be the same. And how do you access this love? How do you touch it? Oh, there's, there's two different analogies the Bible talks about how you live life in the Spirit, how you connect, and how do you, how, how do you bear fruit. Paul talks about it in this chapter. He says, we walk by the Spirit. That's how you do it. That means moment by moment by moment, step by step by step, contact with God. Jesus described it in John 15. He says, abide. Abide in me, and I abide in you, and you will bear much fruit. Not maybe, you will. Love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and patience and gentleness and self-control will flow through you as the life of God flows through you. You will bear fruit. And how do you walk in the Spirit? How do you abide? The key to both is connectedness. Vine and branch must be connected for fruit to come. And you can continually connect 
by living life on two levels 24-7. You pay attention to God. You pay attention to the Spirit living in your soul all day. And the main way you do this is you listen. Prayer without ceasing is essentially listening to God in your soul all day long. For nudges, for thoughts, for feelings, for impressions from God. And you can listen all the time, even at work, even bathing children, even cooking. It's like a mother with small children cooking supper, and she has small children in the next room. And all the while she focuses on food preparation, you know what that mama's doing when the kid's in the other room? She's listening. Moms know when it's too quiet. Moms know when that thud needs immediate attention. Moms know when a cry is real or a cry is fake. Most people go, oh my gosh, what's happening? And mom goes, no, don't worry about it. Even as she's cooked, even as she cooks, she is connected to her children. She parents without ceasing. She listens to her children no matter what room she's in or what she's doing. She is abiding. She is walking. So can we. And when we abide, supernatural life will flow into us. Spirit fruit will be formed in us. We will have the life of Christ and His love poured into us and through us into this world. We will bear fruit. The hard, we're not supposed to bear fruit. We're supposed to abide. We're supposed to stay connected. We're supposed to listen. Incident by incident, relationship by relationship, circumstance by circumstance, you, let, you, you invite the Spirit into every situation. That's called walking in the Spirit, by the Spirit. That's called abiding. And please hear me on this. There is no way we can bear fruit on our own. Jesus doesn't expect us to bear fruit on our own. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. It's impossible to love like God calls us to love without complete dependence on the Spirit. Only the Spirit can do what the Spirit can do. Flesh cannot do it. Only the Spirit can produce spirit fruit. Our willingness or our willpower can't begin to touch what we're asked to do. It can't begin to touch it. And when this love passes through our hearts out to someone else, it changes them too. Like I said earlier, agape love is what made the world. And it is the only power strong enough to change the world. And that is because it is the one thing that has the best chance of penetrating the defenses of the human heart. A pastor wrote this story. And he said he had a friend whose son was increasingly unruly and rude to his mother. And he said whenever this boy stepped over the line, she called in her husband to deal with him. And he said, my friend's de default was to use his strength to force reform. He yelled. I've never done that. He threatened. He invoked harsh penalties. He demanded acts of restitution. It worked. Sort of. His son would apologize, but he would only do it grudgingly. His son conformed, but you knew his heart wasn't in it. 
His son obeyed, but it was that subtle, you know, I'll do it, but you you didn't really get to me. The problem with this kind of thing was that his son was getting harder and harder on the inside and more and more bitter to his parents. And one day the boy breached all boundaries. He did something to his mom that, you know, it just called for major action. The mother called for the father. And up the stairs he took his son to the room where consequences got doled out. He was, as the writer says, burning with anger, ready to trounce his son, ready to crush him. Halfway up the stairs, something happened as he was taking his son upstairs. The Holy Spirit got his attention. The Holy Spirit started talking to him. And this idea burst into his mind. The Holy Spirit asked him, what would my love look like right now? What shape would love fruit take right now? Would it be kindness or patience or gentleness? What would it look like? And the man began to pray desperately. He reached the landing, walked into the room with his son, and he sat down beside him. The boy wore the look that he had perfected for all these, ca- these occasions. You know, he acted like he didn't care, but you could see it in his jowls. He was scared. He, he, he acted like he had a blank face, but underneath it you could feel the anger and the fear. And slowly at first and quietly, as this man listened to the Spirit, he started to tell his son about his own fears. He told him what had paralyzed him almost all his lifetime. He became vulnerable with his son in a way he'd never been vulnerable before. He talked about paths he'd walked, never walked for fear of losing or failing. And he told his son, he went deep with his son, and he told him how God was working deep things in him, wrenching and healing things, things he oftentimes, oftentimes wanted to flee or quit, except he didn't want to go back to where he was before. He was telling his son, I struggle too. I hurt too. I'm in the journey too. And then he told his son, a spirit fruit, and the spirit led him, and the, and the fruit of agape love kept coming out. He told his son, at the moment his son was expecting the worst punishment of his life, he told his son all the things he loved, and admired in him. All the ways he believed his son was destined for greatness with God. He told his son his one repeated prayer for him, that his own son would surpass him. The conversation went on a long time. His son's eyes grew big with wonder, and his body began to relax. He began, the son began to ask questions. And then my friend asked his son what he wanted to do about this last situation. And voluntarily, with all of his heart, his son said, I want to go and apologize to mom and finish what she asked me to do. Good idea, said the dad. And down the stairs his son went, joyful in repentance. See, that's real repentance. Real repentance is love motivated. Real repentance is the prodigal son running home. It's joyful repentance. Not the one that says, I got a gun held to my head and I better, you know. Real change comes from the inside and out, not from the outside in. When will we ever learn this? That father that day walked by the Spirit. Remember the WWJD 
bracelets that, that went around, what would Jesus do? Maybe some of you even have one on. They're, they're good reminders. But that's only part of Christianity. You see, what real Christianity is not just what would Jesus do. Real Christianity is what is Jesus doing now? What is the Spirit leading us to right now, right here in this situation, in this problem, in this relationship, in this argument, in this problem at the job? What is Jesus doing through the Spirit right now? What is the fruit the Spirit is trying to manifest in this moment, this day? You see, life takes on whole new possibilities when we listen to the Spirit step by step by step, situation by situation, conversation by conversation. This is the Spirit-filled life. This is what we're invited to. Does that sound so bad? That sounds like freedom to me. In fact, Paul starts a whole, this whole section of Scripture going, walk free. Walk by the Spirit. Bear spirit fruit. You were meant to bear fruit. You were created to bear fruit. And the fruit is not yours. It is the life of the Spirit flowing through you into the world. I love that. I love that. I can't love like Jesus loves, but Jesus through the Spirit can love like Jesus loves. I can't be patient like Jesus is patient, but Jesus being patient in me helps me be patient. You know, sometimes I, you know, I am, I, I'm not noted for my gentleness. <laughs> but Jesus can be gentle through me if I surrender. It just comes down to, am I inviting the Spirit? Am I inviting Jesus through the Spirit into this situation? Am I listening for His guidance? And when He guides me, will I surrender to that guidance and be dependent on Him to produce the fruit? It's not even enough to know what God wants you to do. You need God living through you to produce what He wants you to do, and it produces fruit. Now, I'm going to invite you to close your... I was going to say close your heads and bow your eyes. You need the Spirit to do that. <laughs> close your eyes and bow your head. I was going to say heads, but most of you just have one. And... I want you right now to ask the Spirit. There are situations in your life where you've been beating your head against a wall in relationships and in situations, and you've done the same thing over and over habitually, and you're just stuck. Would you invite the Spirit into that situation this morning, into that relationship this morning, and listen, and then do what He says? And then depend on him to do what he says? Would you listen right now?
Lord, some of us need to invite you into our wounds for the 500th time. Help us to do that. Some of us need to forgive for the 70 times 70th time. Lord, some of us just don't know what to do. Would you guide us? And some of us know what to do, but we keep doing it in our own strength. Would you help us surrender our strength for yours? Help us walk in the Spirit step by step, Jesus. Help us to abide moment by moment. Lord Jesus, make us desperate for what we desperately need. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like the worship team to come forward. I'd like the intercessors to come forward. Again, we will pray for you about anything and everything. But if you just got started in that prayer, please keep going today and go tomorrow and the day after. Please do what the Spirit leads you to do. Please try depending on the Spirit in new ways after today. Try walking with the Spirit. Would you stand, please? And we will worship the Lord as we sing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And welcome in my heart, and welcome in my life, and welcome in my family, and welcome in my church, and welcome in my city. Holy Spirit, now help us to listen. We're actually going to sing a different song about the amazing love. But I am, I am fascinated that uh, God is, is um, so in tune, um, having no idea what, uh, what he was going to preach. I invite you to worship these words. That goes what he was saying. Amazing love, I know it's true. 
to live a spirit-filled life. You were created to walk in the spirit. You were created to bear spirit fruit. You were created to pour God's love and joy and peace, his patience and his kindness and his goodness, his faithfulness, his self-control, his gentleness into the world. You cannot do it without him, but you can do almost anything with him. Give the Spirit a chance to move in your life in new ways. Go in peace. The Lord bless you.